We turn today to the book of Ruth. Um, the book of Ruth has a special meaning in, in my life. It was about 33 years ago that Sandy introduced me to this particular passage and in fact had it engraved inside my wedding ring. And at that point in my life, I didn't know too much about Ruth or what the, what the story was. But uh, as we open it today, perhaps you can see why it's been such a blessing to my life. I hope it is to yours as well. We read today from the book of Ruth, beginning in the first verse, the first chapter. May the Spirit of God breathe through these holy words. Now it came about in the days when the judges governed that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephratites of Bethlehem in Judah. Now they entered the land of Moab and remained there. Then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They took for themselves Moabite women as wives. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other, Ruth. And they lived there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died, and the women were bereft of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the land of Moab. For she had heard in the land of Moab that the, the Lord had visited his people in giving them food. So she departed from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to the land of Judah. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, but we will surely return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, even if I should have a husband tonight and also bear sons, would you therefore wait until they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. And they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. Then she said, Behold, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus may the Lord do to me, and worse, if anything but death parts you and me. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. Would you pray with me? Good and gracious Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to enter into this house that has been dedicated to you, to have the privilege 
to worship you, the living one, to offer our words of love and our obedience and our praise. We say proudly before the whole world, Lord, that you are worthy of our adoration and no other. Forgive us this day of the ways that we have failed you and breathe new life into us. Holy Spirit, come. We humbly ask that you would breathe through these words and through this time so that we might be changed, grow, become more pleasing to the King. We cannot do this without you. So once again, we plead, Holy Spirit, come. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. At the beginning of my junior year in college, I kind of hit some roadblocks, some obstacles, and I decided that I needed a change. And so I chose to drop out of college to move to Tempe, Arizona, and start over there. My plan was simple. I was going to get a job, establish residence, enroll at Arizona State University, and live happily ever after. My parents absolutely begged me not to go. They said, you know, you have a good situation where you are. Don't mess it up. But you see, I was wise and indestructible, so I thought and made the move. What I didn't know about Tempe, Arizona, where there were about 60 other young adults with the same plan, all fighting for a single job at Burger King. No work, no money, no school, and no real plan for the future. And for the first time in my life, I looked around and I thought, what an incredible mess. What a tangled up situation. I felt like I was sitting in rags. I remember sitting in the middle of that thing and that mess and just thinking, this is impossible. My life is in tatters. I'll never be able to weave it back together into something good or beautiful or useful again. And I know for the very first time, I was truly afraid. What a mess. No job. What am I doing here? My life is in rags. I wonder if most of us have felt like that at least once in our life. A relationship crashes, a job, the factory closes down, a health challenges us, or even someone dies that we love. And perhaps that creep, that thought creeps in. This is impossible. I'll never be able to weave this into anything beautiful or useful. And maybe there are some that are even feeling that way right now. I am absolutely certain that's the way Naomi must have felt. Her family, well, was forced to leave Israel and go into a foreign land because of a great famine. She went to the land of Moab, and you see Moab was outside of the boundaries of Israel, and that made it unclean. We think that's just strange, but the belief at that time was that to leave the boundaries was to open yourself up. You were unclean. You were open to spiritual attack or even demonic attack. And, and there her sons, they marry Moabite women, foreigners. That, that must have been a bitter pill to swallow. And then her husband dies. 
And if that's not terrible enough, both of her son dies as well. And she's lost everything. We can hardly imagine in our culture today what she lost. Because you see, there was no social security in those days. And so you invested in your family, you invested in your sons, and the expectation was then in your old age, then they would care for you. But her social security was gone. No wonder that Naomi changes her name from pleasant, Naomi meaning pleasant in Hebrew, now to Mara, which means bitter. Now, I don't know what you've gone through in your life. I don't know what you're struggling with right now, but I've never known anyone that was so upset, so lost, that they literally changed their name to depressed, miserable, torqued off. But Mara was all of those things. And all she had going for her were two foreign daughters-in-law heading back, two more mouths to feed, going back to Israel to, 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 to be with these daughters that were enemies to her nation. And no wonder in verse 12, Naomi slash Mara says, return my daughters. You see, they left, for, for, uh, uh, they left Moab together. They went out into the wilderness. Somewhere along the way, Mara couldn't take it anymore. And she says the equivalent of, y'all just go home now because this is impossible. I'll, I'll never be able to weave this into anything beautiful or useful again. You know, I don't blame Naomi for being bitter. I can't imagine the, the pain that she went through. I can't imagine the loss of losing my wife Sandy or my sons Joshua and Nathan. I can only imagine that it had to be worse for Naomi in a way because she was a woman in a culture where, well, they were just hostile toward women. But listen, you know, Ruth had suffered a great loss as well, hadn't she? She had lived with this family for 10 years. She had clearly fallen in love with them. She had uh, lost her husband. She had lost the hope of having children, her future, her security, her love. And yet, listen now, Naomi and Ruth respond very differently to the same situation. And I think they respond so differently that it's worthy of our attention. It's worthy of our study. Before I, before I do that comparison of Naomi and Ruth, I want to tell you something. I want to kind of clear the slate. This story has one of the most majestic, beautiful, happy endings in all of the Scripture. And I say that to encourage you to, to listen and, and so that we might respond like Ruth at the time of the next trial or the trial that we're in now, so that we might be blessed in the same way. What's the comparison? Number one is this. It's found in verse eight. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, go, return each of you to her mother's house. Compare that to Ruth in verse 16. She says, but Ruth said, do not urge me to leave you or turn back from following you. The difference is obvious, isn't it? You see, Naomi wanted to seclude herself. She wanted to turn away from family and friends and community. But Ruth says, I refuse to go. And you know, unfortunately, there's so many times in the church, a, a, a countless times, that we react more like Naomi than we do Ruth. How many times have you ever heard someone say, have you seen Linda? Have you seen Bill? I haven't seen him at church in a few weeks. And 
So we'll go poking around, trying to find out what's going on, only to find out that they are going through the great crisis of their life, and they have chosen what? To run away, to seclude themselves, to, to separate themselves from the body of Christ, from the very ones that love them and, and, and through which Christ can move to comfort and to heal. And we hear these words, tell me if you haven't heard them too. Well, I, don't, I didn't want to be a burden to anyone. Well, I, I don't want anyone to see me like this. I understand, I really do. It's often my first reaction in time of a crisis to withdraw. The temptation is maybe we feel like we can protect ourselves, we can reserve our emotional resources. And, but on the other hand, maybe sometimes it's a little bit of pride or even vanity. I mean, if I went and asked any one of you today, listen, old Bill's having a hard time, would you make a a pot roast for them this week. Would you make a meal and take it over there? There's not one person, I know you well enough here, to say, I, I, I would love to go over. There's not one that would say no. But are we as welcome, are we as open to accept the blessings? Oh, I don't want anyone to see me like this. Why? Don't you understand that that is the body of Christ, that when you're strong and I'm weak, I'm going to come to you. And when I'm strong and you're weak, it's my desire to be a blessing to you. But what did Naomi do? She decided to, to run away, to close herself off, but not Ruth. Ruth, we're the body of Christ. This is the place through which Christ is the head, and through him we can be a blessing and I'm absolutely certain of this. Listen, if Ruth had gone back with Orpah, if she had not refused to stay with Naomi, Naomi would have called herself Mara for the rest of her days. She would have never got over it. So beloved of God, I ask you today to resolve to be like Ruth. Run to the church in a time of crisis. And church, resolve right now to be a blessing to those that are hurting, even if we feel inadequate, even if we don't have actions. One of our young women of the church got into a car accident recently. And I swear, when I heard about that, knowing that all of the other trials that she had been through, I was speechless. There were not words at that moment. But sometimes the very best thing we can do is just to sit with someone, to, to love someone, to sit in the ashes with them for a while, to pray for them and allow God time to heal them. The first thing, we are to run to the people of faith, not from. Number two is this. Verse 13 says this, Know my daughters, for it is harder for me than for you, for the hand of the Lord has gone forth against me. As compared to verse 16, listen, your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. In other words, Naomi blamed God, but Ruth turned to God. Now, we can talk about all of the reasons that bad things happen to good people. We, hopefully, we're at that part of our, our, our spiritual journey when we kind of understand that Sometimes it is our poor choices, and sometimes it's just a fallen world, and sometimes it's an enemy that 
is constantly on the prowl against us and on and on. But when the crisis hits us, the temptation is to forget all of our theology and simply blame God and be angry with him. And that kind of puts us in a trick because one side of us knows that we're not supposed to be angry with God. And yet we are, and which we deny, which keeps us from the source of healing. But Ruth seems to stay away from that crazy cycle. Hers is not a deep theological statement of faith, but a simple, profound choice to follow God in the face of a great loss. It reminds me of so many of the Psalms, 150 Psalms in the scripture. Over one third, somewhere around 65 of those are laments. Laments, crying out to God. Oh God, why have you allowed this to happen? Wait a minute, that's not the way that we're supposed to talk to God. Why do you think those laments are in the scripture? So that we might be free to take all of our concerns and all of our pain and all of our struggles to our heavenly Father whose hands are big enough and shoulders are wide enough to handle it. 65 of 150, oh God, why have you allowed this? I am so angry, why don't you act? Why don't you kick the teeth down my enemy's throat? That's Psalms 58, or Psalms 52. Give heed to me, God, and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and am surely distracted. My heart is in anguish within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. Oh my goodness, what honesty. But something amazing and miraculous happens in that psalm. As the psalmist cries out to God, as he is open and honest and appeals to God, something happens, then this little word shows up that is so often in the scriptures, in the Psalms, it just simply says, Selah. And no one really knows exactly what that means, but I think it's like this, Selah means this. And in that moment, the writer, after he has poured his heart out to God, remembers who God is and that he is God's child. And so by the end of the psalm, it ends this way. Cast the same psalm. Cast your burden upon the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. Verse 23, after all of that struggle, but the openness, the honesty, bringing all of their trials the psalmist is able to conclude, but I will trust in you. Number one, Naomi wanted to seclude herself from her family, but Ruth refused to go. Number two, Naomi blamed God, but Ruth chose to turn to God. And third is this in verse 20. Do not call me Naomi, but call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. As compared to Ruth in verse 18, when Naomi saw that Ruth was determined. Hey, turn to your neighbor and say determined. Go ahead. Turn to the other one. Repeat it one more time. Determined. Ruth was determined to go with her. She said no more. In other words, Naomi deliberately chose. She was determined to be bitter. But Ruth determined to choose to move forward. There's absolutely a time for grieving. When a relationship ends, a job is lost, a 
a loved one dies. Grieving is natural and right and essential. We all grieve in different ways and different lengths. Ruth suffered great loss, but at some point she refused to sit in the ashes and got up and chose to begin her life again. Sandy met a woman at church last Tuesday, and uh, she came into the church looking for a, a large print Bible. And we searched the church and couldn't find a large print Bible anywhere. And uh, I, I think the woman kind of touched Sandy a little bit. And, and so uh, Sandy went home and she got her mom's uh, large print Bible. And she said, hey, Wednesday night during Reach, let's, let's make that one of our visits. We want to go give uh, my mom's Bible to her. And so, um, and so we went over there. We found it. And uh, we, we said, hi, I'm Cal. This is Sandy. You met Sandy. And and understand you wanted a, a large print Bible. We have it. Oh, my soul. She was living in this trailer park, and, and uh, it was kind of a rough area. And, and, and she took that Bible, and she took it to her chest, and she began to just laugh and kind of cry and just hold on to that Bible. And it was absolutely beautiful. Now, she shared, uh, she invited us in. We sat down and had a good talk with her. She shared some of her life, and she talked about, man, she had had some trials. The list was long. In fact, at one point in her life, not too long ago, she was homeless for four months. She said, all I had was the clothes on my back and these flip-flops that I'm still wearing. And all the time, she was holding that Bible and rocking back and forth. But instead of being downhearted, you know, she had made the most of that trailer. She had found some carpet and was down on her knees with a small knife and a pair of scissors so that she could put some carpet down on that trailer floor. And as she spoke to us, she was laughing and, and, and smiling. And, you know, Sandy and I, we were just laughing and smiling with her. You couldn't help it because she was contagious. You know Why? We were so thrilled with that woman. It was such a joyous moment because in the face of great trials, at some point in her life, she had chosen to get up and choose life, choose joy. She determined that that was the way she was going to live. Our sister Sarah, I already mentioned in a car accident, I don't mean to make you feel uncomfortable. Boy, the story touched my heart, Sarah. In a car accident, all these things going on, took her to the emergency room. I was up in Boone with the wedding, and, and I heard about it, and just speechless. Then someone told me later on, you know, she was in the emergency room, and she heard a lot of fuss and commotion in the next, uh, next bed over. You can't, you know, you can't help but hear. And Sarah responded, you know, laying in the emergency room, she said, well, at least I've not got it that bad. And man, my heart about exploded when I heard that. And I knew that Sarah's going to be okay because she chose life. She chose to be able to empathize with someone else's pain. Get her in the middle of the emergency room to get her focus off of herself and onto someone else. I sat in the office this week with a, a lovely woman, lost her husband recently. She's moved, she's begun a new life, she's investing in a school. I think she's still grieving. That's okay, that's normal, that's good. 
but she has chosen life. Mara did what? Mara said, I'm going to get in the ashes, I'm going to stay in the ashes. Ruth said, I choose life. I determine to follow God, to not blame him. Y'all go back, said Mara, because this is impossible. I'll never be able to weave this together into anything beautiful or useful again. And you know what? Naomi was absolutely right. She would never be able to weave it into anything beautiful. But God can. And God did. We later learned that God provides a husband for Ruth and security for Naomi. In chapter 4, we learned that Ruth gives birth to a son and she presents him to Naomi. Oh, grandparents, doesn't that fill your heart? She presents him to Naomi. She lays him in his lap. She said, then Ruth said to Naomi, blessed is the Lord who has not left you without a redeemer. Sometimes we feel like God has. Ruth says to you today, God has not left you or forsaken you. You have a redeemer, and may his name become famous in Israel. May he also be to you a restorer of life and a sustainer of your old age. Listen to this. For your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him in her lap and became his nurse. And the baby's name was Obed. And he did become famous in Israel. And Obed was the father of Jesse, and Jesse the son of David, King David, who became the greatest king of Israel. And amazing as that is, it's even more amazing than that because we turn to the New Testament in Matthew, which begins the record of the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Skipping down to verse 5, Salmon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth, and Obed the father of Jesse. From Naomi and Ruth, some 30 generations down to the birth of Jesus Christ the savior of the world. Naomi said, I will never be able to sew this rags back together and make it into something beautiful. But God had a different plan. Haven't we all felt that way? This is hopeless. This is useful. Maybe you're feeling that way now, but that doesn't mean that God can't sew a beautiful tapestry out of your life now and that you might be a generation, a blessing to those around you now and to the generations to come, just as he did for Naomi and Ruth. If only we'll be faithful. If only we'll refuse to seclude ourselves. If only we'll run to God instead of falsely blaming him. If we choose to get up out of the ashes and move forward. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious Father, even in this moment, your spirit has reminded me, I know, Lord, that there are people in this congregation today, listening perhaps on the radio, that are struggling mightily with the great crisis of their life. We join our hearts together, oh, people. Let us join our hearts together and pray for God's blessings upon those that are struggling right now. We pray, Father, that you would give them 
your presence and a sense of hope. We pray, Father, that you, by the power of your Spirit, will pick them up and that you would begin to weave their lives into something beautiful once again. We pray for one another, knowing that you are faithful and there is nothing that is too difficult for you. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful passage. May we gather strength and in the face of the next great crisis, determine to run to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.